It's November 23rd, 2023. This is Rook. Welcome to episode 299 of Rook. I'm Gian Gomeshi. Hello to you from Toronto. Hello to you from Canada. Salam Dustan Aziz. Durur Bashama. Hope you are doing well wherever you are tuning in from around the world. A special episode today about artificial intelligence. That's AI. And how we should feel about its inevitable growing role in occupying our world. Should we fear AI? is the name of the episode and my special guest for the entire episode is the brilliant Iranian-American tech entrepreneur and social media star Kushiar Azimian, who will be joining me from California. Should we fear AI? We will get to that interview in just a bit. You don't want to miss it. First up, let me say hello to Smart Pega. Hello. Hello. Uh, you're wearing... <laughs> Uh, you, Here we I, go. You, you've got a new perfume or something? It's like a- right before we started recording, <laughs> I've I'm having a an allergy, asthma, panic. I mean, all asthma? kinds of attacks. Really? Well, We're I don't know what's far? happening. <laughs> what have you doused yourself with? This is okay. So this is a really old perfume that I used to wear, and today I just felt like it I don't know. I felt like nostalgic. I walked I was like, into I'm a Sephora, or I don't know. Where do people get perfume? Sure. Okay. Why not? Can you get perfume in a Sephora? Yeah. All right. Yeah. They Feels them. like I've walked into a Sephora. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> like I said, I'll, I'll write to Chanel for I'm you. having, is it Chanel? <laughs> it is. Oh, I'm having an allergic reaction <laughs> to Chanel. <laughs> Note to self, don't be near Chanel. Uh, <clears throat> do you fear AI? I don't fear it. I'm concerned. Like, I think about it. I. You think about it? Yeah, a lot. And what do you think about if you don't fear it? Um, okay, this is the reason I don't fear it. I don't fear it because I think it's inevitable. So I don't think Weird. there's a point in fearing something reasoning. that is going to happen anyway. A lot of people fear death and they but know the it's inevitable. But the same thing, I, I feel the same way you about death. You do not fear death. No. Oh. I, I don't fear death. What I fear is the process of losing a loved one. But I'm not afraid of dying. Do you do you fear losing a loved one or just the process of living, losing a loved one? The process. Because again, losing your loved ones is inevitable. What do you, you've, you know, you're not afraid of AI because you are a, like a robot. <laughs> no, it's I not, have no feelings. No, I do I have not lots fear. Lots of feelings. Well, what, what do you fear? It, the going through that. No, no, no. What, it, name process. something that you fear in life. Losing my loved ones. That's probably my biggest fear. Which, and that's inevitable as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. But it, it's the, so then, the going through that is the part I fear. The actual uh, death piece is not something I fear. What about the going through of losing our emancipation to robots? <laughs> Are you fearing that? Um, honestly, I'm more concerned about what the implications of this kind of technology has. So, for example, what it's going to mean for military what it's going well, to that's mean part of the fear. The fear isn't like just the comical. I'm saying the robot. Army, yeah, I don't. The fear okay, is maybe, also job losses, uh, the, the reorganization of society, mm-hmm. um, the the first further separation of first world and other world, or I don't know the, all of those things. Yeah, right? those things are definitely a concern. But the whole robot thing that everyone keeps talking about that I don't centralization of power in one human who has the AI uh, controls, or maybe one robot's hands. <laughs> What's, he, what's funny is all, all, many years I was for many years I was at the CBC and I and I would joke about 
I would say I'm afraid of the robot army. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would even jokingly like end the show. Like now I say like Mizumbashi. Yeah. I would be like, be careful of the robot army. They're coming, you know. And now I'm validated. They really are. Yeah, because in just in researching, I'm going to talk to Kushiar about mm-hmm. this. But, you know, AI, this is pretty scary stuff. Like, like the... Like just the rate of how AI is advancing, mm-hmm. teaching itself. Yeah, the adaptive technology. The piece. adaptive technology. That's the. That's actually the scariest. Whatever part of your all perfume of is, AI could take that <laughs> and teach itself to make it to Not, to militarize, yeah. to weaponize even further. There I mean, because it already is clearly <clears throat> weaponized. Like I can't even speak. You I mean, know, it's, I'm gonna sit on the other side well, of the I, room. Can we get some fans going in here? I mean. Jeez. Oh. Last time you told me you really liked my perfume. Was and it this? this? T- no, that oh, one okay. was well, that was another one. That was Creed. Apparently. But <laughs> now this one you're that like. That was called what? Creed. Creed. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> now this one I you're I prefer the a- perfume to the band anyway. Uh, I should uh, uh, so Do You Fear AI is the episode mm-hmm. Kushiar Azimion coming up for a feature interview and of course we have we're going to do some roundup after yes. the interview today um, I want to note that the, we've had a lot of response to our Monday roundtable just in the last three days since it came out where we debated such topics as whether the Islamic Republic Supreme Leader and Master of Hate Speech Ayatollah Khamenei should be banned mm. from X Formerly known as Twitter. <laughs> Formerly known as the artist known as Prince, the social media platform. Uh, you can continue giving us your thoughts. And I should mention the uh, um, the Monday Roundtable, mm-hmm. I believe, I have to talk to whoever runs this place, <laughs> <laughs> myself in the morning. I, 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 I think we're going to move the run Monday Roundtable to Thursdays, mm-hmm. in which case we'll have one big show yes. with two parts. Roundtable interview or interview roundtable. Love it. You do love that. I do. Do you? I do. I'm not so sure you do. I think it'll be great. Well, off the off the air, you've been arguing, oh, why doesn't the roundtable have its own show? <laughs> and now no, all of a sudden, I, think, I love it. Well, because this I, is like I when like we some of the guests come on and you're like, oh, that was really good. And <laughs> oh I know God. you don't mean it. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to get me in trouble. Yeah. That's the perfume happen. talking. Um, yeah, what were you going to say? You think it's good? Yes, but I lost my train of thought One now. show, two big parts. Yeah, I think it'll be really great, and um, I think it'll give us an opportunity to really catch up on what's been happening over the course of the week, because as we know, there's so much to cover. Can I give you some of the reasoning why we're going down to one show? Please. Some of it is functional, economic. Mm-hmm. You can't, uh, it's hard keeping keeping things afloat. <laughs> And we we really appreciate any support yes. that we get from our audience by going to rookmedia.com and pressing support us. See, I know just saying that won't do it. They need to. <laughs> Unfortunately. I don't know what does it with the Persian community, but, you know, we'd hope that there'd be support. Anyway, but that's not entirely the reason. The reason is we've been consistently getting feedback from the audience that mm-hmm. says you guys can't keep up yes. with how much content we put out. I think it's partly because we don't just put out two shows, but they tend to be longer than an mm-hmm. hour, uh, and sometimes and sometimes two hours or two and a half hours. Or so. so this is in the hopes that if we do one show a week, people can kind of catch up, mm-hmm. and they have the week to listen to that show, even if it's a long show. Yes. Hopefully, right? I actually, I had one of my friends tell me that recently. Tell you that uh, just they can't keep up that with the content. Two episodes behind. All right. And I was like, oh, two. All right. Right. I hope you canceled that friend. <laughs> <laughs> I told her to listen faster. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, well, um, so so no, don't tell them that. You mean to listen on the fast thing? No, like oh, to listen like okay, not to, to speed the, up no, the thing. God right. no. You know people do that, right? On their podcast platforms, you I can do speed. that on my WhatsApp voice yeah, notes. It's terrible. That's terrible. I mean, I all these dramatic pauses that I put in in the middle of interviews. And they're missed. Lost by those listening at three times the speed. <laughs> Next week on the show, in this moment, on the next Thursday's show, Kaveh Madani mm-hmm. joining me. So if today's episode is about AI, next next week is about climate change and the environment. And it he's coming in on the day of a big conference, the, a massive climate conference beginning in Dubai. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think Kaveh is going because of security reasons, uh, partly, but... but um, but you know he's he's a, he's one of the leading voices on the environment in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been on our show before. hasn't been on the show since the uprising, and I'm curious to ask him how the uprising in Iran affected the plight of the environment in Iran, which has been in a disastrous state. Yes. I can only imagine it's gotten much worse. And what all of what's going on in the world right now? What are the implications for further environmental degre- degradation when? You know wars in mm-hmm. uh, uh, in in the Middle East and Ukraine. You know, and because part of the idea of these climate conferences is, is the world working together. Mm-hmm. If the world is in a war with it, yes. with each other, they're not going to be working together to <laughs> to help save the birds, the right? Yeah. yeah, of course. So Kaveh Madani next week, along with the roundtable, um, the great uh, composer performer. Arranger, producer Schubert, oh, wow. Schubert Avakian, mm-hmm. uh, will be joining me for a future interview in a couple of weeks. Uh, I think it's in a couple of weeks. He uh, has produced and arranged everyone from Ebby mm-hmm. to Gugush, famously with Black Cats, uh, and he's a young guy still. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Schubert will be joining me. Mehrangiza um, Car oh, wow. returns to the show. Uh, the um, Incredible, uh, strong voice of Mehrangi's a car, uh, the lawyer, the activist. Mm-hmm. Um, I have so much to ask her about what she, I mean, she's been such a key person through the history of Iran over the last 50 years, mm-hmm. um, a powerful feminist woman. I, what, what she sees um, has occurred over the last 15 months whether she's obviously been energized by the women life freedom movement, where she sees it now, mm-hmm. how she's processing everything that's going on. You know, now I'm a little intimidated about having the round table with these interviews. You see? Uh, as you're going through these names, I'm thinking, oh. You know what? You know what will help? What will help? Perfume. Lots of perfume. <laughs> just just douse it on yes. yourself and uh, knock off the it. other contestants <laughs> with your so, uh, so Pega, we'll be back. You're, you're gonna, we've, we're, we're gonna have a little roundup to talk about Angelina yes. Jolie, talking to Nagas Mohammadi, mm-hmm. um, then a new position from the Islamic Republic on the freedom of uh, Palestinians. We'll get to all of that in the roundup coming up after the interview. We'll see you in a little bit. Yes, <clears throat> we are coming to you on RookMedia.com. It's there that you can link to all of our platforms: Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple. Instagram, CastBox, if you like to see visuals with Rook, switch over to YouTube. And our descriptions and bulletins in English and Persian can be found on Telegram. 
Uh, subscribe on any or all of those platforms. We love it when you share our stuff. And if you can support us, you can do so through the uh, Patreon page, which you find from our website, rookmedia.com. Press the support us button. It's not a big ask. It's a few bucks a month and it really keeps us alive. We really appreciate it. All right, let's get to the featured topic of this episode and my feature guest. Should we fear AI? You know, Artificial intelligence is on everyone's lips these days, and certainly this week with a bizarre and melodramatic ousting of Sam Altman as the CEO of OpenAI, as the developer behind language models like ChatGPT, as well as advanced image generation models like Dolly 3, then the reinstatement of Sam Altman as the CEO of OpenAI. There's been a lot of AI talk in the news, but if we zoom out, there's no consensus on whether artificial intelligence itself is a good or bad development for the future of humanity. In short, AI may be considered the best or the scariest, depending on who you ask. It's a bold, unclear new frontier. And so today we ask, should we fear AI? Is AI the most exciting new development in technology that will advance the world or is it the beginning of some kind of technological apocalypse, or is it both? My guest today is an Iranian-American tech entrepreneur and social media star. Kushiar Azimian is the founder and CEO of 310 AI, a machine learning for a biotech company. Kushiar was born and raised in Mashhad. He moved to the U.S. to pursue his studies, got his master's in computer science from Rutgers University. He was the founder of Concert Boom, a ticket aggregator that evolved into the fifth largest ticketing website globally. Following that success, he worked as the staff engineer and tech lead for the Facebook ads ranking team, the largest machine learning organization within Facebook. Kushiar became a globally followed voice and face for Iranians during the uprising for freedom and democracy last year as he made videos explaining how to deal with and circumvent tech issues in the aid of the quest for freedom in Iran. And right now, Kushiar Azimian joins me from San Francisco today. Hello, sir. Hello, how are you? That was a very flattering uh, introduction. I, I, I should ask you to introduce me <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to come on tour and do the introductions it's great to see you again and have you back on the show just Thank just a, just as we left you you're in front of the chalkboard with do those does that data behind you change or is that just like a set now it's something between static I bet, let's say every piece might change weekly I think it's just a good background also. It's a great so, background. Yeah. It, it serves the dual function of making you look very official and tech savvy. And also for the viewer like me, I have no idea what any of it means. It just looks like no, gobbledygook. These are very actually easy stuff. It, this is just a very general pipeline of what the machine learning uh, training pipeline looks like. These are just the steps. Are you ready for a conversation about AI? Uh, for sure. Absolutely. You know, I I feel like this is a long time coming for me because I've, 
I've long had this sort of running joke for years on the air on TV. I would make this joke about how the robot army, the robots are coming to get us. The robots are going to take over. And for me, it was kind of, it was sort of a joke. It was sort of presenting myself as some kind of a, a layman who doesn't understand uh, technology. But in the meantime, I was using my gadgets and didn't really believe what, what I was saying. Now I'm actually... Uh, beginning to get concerned about <laughs> the robot army taking over. You do recognize the fervor around AI, that some people are super excited about it, others are terrified, they see it existential risk. I imagine in your world, Kushiar, you're probably surrounded more by the excitement than the pessimism because that is your business. Would that be true? Uh, I, I'm in both camps, very, very... Yeah, I, I can see both arguments and I actually believe in both arguments that this is going to be the most effective, the most capable tools humanity have ever created. And it's going to tackle a lot of really, really big problems in, in pharma, in biotech, in curing cancer, in solving a lot of humanity problems. But at the same time, it is to me it's very likely to become an existential crisis. Have you actually heard the great filter theory? I don't know, great filter theory or paradox or... Yeah. I, I think so, of... but go ahead and explain it, yeah. So this basically great filter says that uh, there we live in a very, very massive universe. It, and it's very likely if you just follow the basic logics of chemistry and biology, it's very likely that we should have other intelligent species or agents in this universe, right? And it's very likely that we, we're curious to reach them out, they're curious to reach us. Why we never met them? Why we never came across mm. such entities? You want to call it aliens or whatever agents right. they might be. Why we never see them? And there, there are a lot of theories around that. And one of the theories that I found it more acceptable is there is a limit to intelligence, meaning that basically as you become more intelligent, let's say from a fish to, I don't know, to frog, to cow, to monkey, to human, to whatever, you become more capable, obviously. Sure. Right? You become capable of building tools and those tools become more capable you build uh, i don't know it's fire and then you build cars and you build air, you build airplanes and you build ai and as these tools become more capable you are capable of more construction work but also more destruction sure right yeah you have a now you have a basically button that you can push and destroy a bigger and bigger and bigger portion of existence around you, right, humanity, right. planet, whatever, right? For example, nuclear bombs was just one example of that, that sure. we somehow took control of them, which is, that theory says that this intelligence at some point is going to be so capable that the destruction power is going to be massive enough that it, in one button can just wipe out. Correct, everything. yeah. And basically, a lot of people said we are very close to that point, actually. I mean, isn't, isn't the point that all of those technological inventions, 
through through history. If we go we go back to the wheel and then the industrial revolution and then the coming of automation and then computers, et cetera, none of them have established consciousness. In other words, you can invent the nuclear weapon, but the nuclear weapon can't decide itself that it's going to drop itself on China. But that's the precipice at what we're at with AI. Is that the difference? That's also, that's one part of it. That's one big part of it. You want to call it consciousness or you want to call it control or you want to call it intelligence. There's something about AI that is very different. The, the nuclear bomb would never just make a decision to start it. Right. It needs the human. The human has to do something with the nuclear bomb. But, we were always in control and there is uh, there's this thing that i always say like if you put uh multiple agents in a room and by room i mean an environment it could be a jungle it could be a country it could be a city it could be just an actual room if you put multiple agents let's say some animals some humans some robots some software in in one room and they have their own agenda they have their own logic they have their own intelligence their central bodies of uh, whoever they are, and they have their own identity. After a while, when things get more complex, the agent who is more intelligent is going to take control of or the entire room. At this point, humans are that agent on the planet, right? Right. There is no reason why AI cannot, whatever this term AI means, Right. It, it means a lot of different things to different. Some people think of it as a robot. Some people think of it as some software in the Internet. Some think some people think of it as chat GPT. Whatever form it has, there is no reason why it cannot take control. There's no reason it can take control. I mean, that that's quite an extraordinary statement. And that that's, you know, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but as, I, as I've been prepping for this, as I've been trying to do some basic research, there does seem to be a couple of different camps. There are people who are who are running around with the hair on fire, and and I'm sympathetic to some of them. And then there are people in in your world, in the tech world, who are writing very long and profound articles, or or that that say, hey, calm down, everything's fine. Everybody worries about every new technological development. Earlier this year, the Center for AI Safety suggested that artificial intelligence could lead to the ex extinction of humanity. Now, the thing that surprised me about this was that who is the Center for AI Safety? This is this is a statement supported by the chief executive of ChatGPT, um, like OpenAI, uh, the chief executive of Google DeepMind, um, the chief executive of Anthropic. Uh, so these are the tech leaders. These are the people, the leaders in your field, like yourself, who are the very ones who are saying extinction of humanity. That's the shit that scares me. It, it, it is a very complicated, it has a, has a lot of, aspects into it so this is a highly political issue it's a it's a power issue basically whoever takes control of this is going to be the most powerful entity of the future if it's a country or if it's a company or if it's a person the, the, basically everybody agrees at this point on that and so because of that there are a lot of politics around it and there's a lot of power play around it and uh, but there is also a lot of reality so who says what for what reason could be could be a lot of complications behind it. For example, Elon Musk was trying to get this thing in some sort of a ban or ceasefire for a while. And a lot of people are saying because he was just behind, he wanted to get his own company 
into the race and he did with with the x right. ai now but i do uh, believe that he's actually worried deeply and I, I totally can see that line but yeah there are two camps there's a uh, jan lecun who's a very senior ai scientist who has been around this field for long and he's a very respected person says these are all yes we are not moving toward that direction but there are all these sam altman elon musk type of people who have been around this and to me i i i think being worried is a reasonable uh, stance at this point it's definitely yeah and the risks are not just extension extension is just one very final mm-hmm one worst case scenario there are other so if if i want to break down the risk i break it down to four tiers the tier one risk that are i i call it they're not extension right and those are the ones that usually politicians talk about for example ai cheating in elections or ai deep fake right deep fake is something that a lot of people are worried about or uh, discrimination or racism or all, all these things that politicians mostly talk about right the fear of AI those are what is very very likely to happen in near future deep fake is something that we can see every day now they're becoming almost indistinguishable and still like if you look at the picture sometimes they have six fingers like they're still right deep fake can you you just explain this this is i'm i'm presuming you're talking about videos photos images um uh, that are not real that are being ai generated artificial intelligence generated that um could could obviously lead to tremendous misinformation and misrepresentation etc yeah and there's sometimes there augmentation of some reality for example you put somebody's voice on somebody else's head or you change uh, an audio of whatever some political candidates or it could be a totally new thing that you just build by yourself you create your own celebrity you create your own uh, movie and we're probably we're a bit far from generating a whole movie that probably is going to take another few years but uh, augmenting or altering movies or species is already done you can see it on Insta- it's all over instagram that's the tier one that is basically happening now would you call that ethical considerations there are a lot yeah a, a lot of that falls into ethics okay and then tier two is which is to me, this is another obvious outcome, and there are a lot of dangers around it. I don't know, but it's not an existential crisis. It's everything about economical and political disruption that is coming. Every time humanity goes over some big uh, industrial or economical shift, there's going to be a lot of disruption, and there's going to be a lot of uh, misplacement or displacement. and we're definitely we we experienced that with the with internet and then with software we saw this happening multiple times in last few decades and i I suspect a lot of all this anger and uh social unrest is the 
outcome of that, par partially at least. Sorry, are you talking about jobs now? Uh, mostly about jobs. So, so this is the concern that the potential that for AI to replace human jobs, and which does seem like an obvious one, although it has to be counterbalanced with how AI could also play a role in job creation, right? That's the line that all these tech companies selling people at this point. And I, I do not believe that. I, I do believe that every time in... So one argument is everything that you say about AI and all the fears about AI have been said about any other technology in the past. And you were wrong. All these technologies end up in helping humanity, advancing more opportunity, more work, bigger economy, more jobs more equality perhaps and you're always wrong but the, 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 as you riffed about this there 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 is something fundamentally different about this technology and the, the level of scale the level of decision making the level of control is and the whole history of humanity is very short hmm. so it's very i think people just extrapolate too much based on very little data our entire history is very 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 short if you think like the number of this big technological advances is very very small number so the jobs and uh, the loss of jobs never will be in the shape of oh you one day you wake up and there is no doctor job it's never in that form it's always going to be marginal, right? I, I don't know if you have experience with ChatGPT. I ask my health questions from ChatGPT this, this a lot. I ask a lot of questions about uh, everything that I needed to talk to an expert, I ask from ChatGPT a lot. And this is a very, very, very baby version of what it's Well, going to I be. was going to say, I mean, just to anecdotally, in you know having worked in media for the last you know 25 years uh for example to 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 at a professional level to write a script let's say for a professional broadcast you would traditionally need a researcher you would need somebody who gathers the information you would need then a writer to write the script you would need an editor potentially it's a, even another person who edits the script uh all of that, not to mention a lot more that can go into to developing uh, and, and, and putting together scripts for, for broadcast, all of that can be now done in a few minutes or a few seconds by ChatGPT. And we're told that ChatGPT is in its embryonic stages and that yeah. each month it gets, it gets more and more. So that, in, at least in my field, in this field, that would obviously displace jobs it would obviously yes somebody needs to tell chat, chat GBT what the topic is but beyond or whatever but i mean beyond that uh i don't see the job creation element to this yeah there, there are obviously going to be some job creation but is that what is the volume of that compared to the volume of the jobs that are going to be lost and this argument that Elon Musk brought that I've been trying to say this for and I'm kind of like shy because people get upset about when I when you tell them this if if the AI is smarter than you and does everything better than you what position are you needed 
right? I mean, people say, oh, it creates more jobs, but what what are those jobs exactly that the AI cannot do? Just just tell me, because at this point, in any kind, it's very funny in any kind of strategic game that these are basically the benchmark for human intelligence. AI can beat humans. It, it was a chess in two thousand that, that that was you, you can't call it AI because it's more most decision tree. And then there, there's a, do you know the game of Go? This game was supposed to be very intuitive game, hmm. not a mathematical game per se. It was they call it something intersection of science and math and also art and strategy. And it, the popular belief was this game was never going to be won by computers because it, it is intuition and you have you need to be a human to understand the strategy. 2016, this the team of DeepMind at Google build the first first algorithm that beats the world champion. Nobody thought this is ever going to happen. 2017, I, I'm, I'm hoping I'm right about the numbers. 2017, the second version of that algorithm beats the first version 400 to zero. And the second version had no exposure to human games. It, it just learned by playing by itself. It, that shows how fast this technology is going. Right. And at but, what point, like, where are we going to be needed? Right. Just to just and to play is, just to play along for a second, though, uh, when you said, "Can anyone make a suggestion of something that AI can't eventually do better?" Um, can I, I? I might suggest creativity, um, because creativity is not only not on math math equation, but it's intrinsically it's intrinsically imperfect. So if I give you the example of Bob Dylan. Um, I, I don't know if some Iranians listening might not, not know Bob Dylan, but the the famous singer songwriter, you know, who emerges in the 1960s, his songs are not necessarily linear. Like they're not they're not they don't follow the 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 the, the way a traditional pop song would necessarily. So they're coming from some sort of creative alternative kind of universe that he's generating. His voice is definitely not a perfect voice. It's a very particular, weird, nasal kind of affected voice. That So it's hard for me to believe that a computer could become a Bob Dylan. Uh, I, can, I can hear, I can understand a computer writing a perfect quote-unquote pop song, but not being Bob Dylan. I, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole on this, but that it just came to mind when you said we can't. And that's where so far AI hasn't satisfied me that that it can generate soul, that it can generate, can it, that it has a create a creative impulse. Notwithstanding what you just said about the intuitive game it won, that's the part where it falls apart for me. Have you have you played with the with the new basically painting bots, the Dolly and Midjourney, the ones that create paintings for you? I have not. Yeah, they're getting there, and this imperfection can be programmed the same way that the perfection <laughs> can be programmed, and it could be customized for different tastes. And basically, what you are saying is that that imperfection is—I don't want to sound too harsh, but it kind of sounds like a. a the analogy for that that comes to mind is zoo. Like we go to zoo to see animals because they're imperfect, because they're like a lesser intelligent version of ourselves. And basically that argument tends to, okay, wherever we're not good at, we're just going to, some people are going to pay to watch us. 
Uh, no, all the I disagree. Be- no, it's our imperfections that we love sometimes. It's the fact that you're the the person you're in love with has one crooked tooth or or you know has a way of saying something differently that that's what we love isn't it uh, yes but two things first ai can probably reproduce those two and then the second is you don't pay your doctor to be imperfect right to make some like random sure or you don't pay sure. your uh flight crew to be imperfect like absolutely yeah. And the, the, yeah, there, there's that job uh, disruption part. And then there's obviously the surveillance and uh, big, uh, this sort of uh, Orwellian 1984 uh, type of central government. That's also another worry. And it's very funny that most people who are in AI and running the show at this moment are very anti-big governments, uh, Sam Altman and Elon Musk of the world. But there, there is this big fear. Is that number uh, three or four? Because I, I stopped you at number two. This is part of the number two, basically. Okay. The economical and political disruption. Well, can, maybe, I, can, maybe can I ask you about that? I mean, there is a concern that the power of AI becomes increasingly concentrated in fewer and fewer hands. So For sure. it's enabling regimes to enforce narrow values through, through through that surveillance you were talking about, or oppressive censorship because it's in it's in the hands of a few. That that also seems like a legitimate concern to me. We've seen that with with Elon Musk even, and 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 Twitter, the power of one man deciding, you know, what the what's going to be allowed and not allowed on a platform that many people think is where they're getting their news. Yeah, the centralization is definitely one outcome of AI, one big outcome of AI. And if it falls into the wrong hand, the, the good thing is usually like these are the people who are smartest people usually working on these things. And they're not very, usually they're not very into authoritarians, but things could change. Like, and yeah, it could fall into the wrong. I, yeah, I think in short term, politician type people are going to lose their positions because of this. But uh, you don't know who's going to take over and not. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure that everybody would agree that Mark Zuckerberg and, and Elon Musk and others are the most ethical uh, people in the world in terms of the way they've played played it all out. I mean, you've worked for Zuckerberg. Yeah, that's so... very controversial. Yeah, <laughs> I, I worked at Facebook. I I've never actually met. Zuckerberg. Uh, I, I did work out pretty familiar with the culture and how that company is being. Yeah, there, there, there. Uh, yeah, there are multiple camps about this. And sure. Yeah, and uh, and again, Zuckerberg and Elon Musk are very different people. Yes. And then the the third one is, I, I call it things that are that could not existential threat, but things that could get out of hands in a scale. Let's say you have self-driving cars. Have you seen the self-driving cars that they, there is no safety driver? Have you yes, seen Yes, I, I mean, I've seen videos of it. I haven't seen it in person. They're all over San Francisco. They're oh, really? in San Francisco. Yeah, they're, they're pretty. I think they banned one of the companies, but you can still see many of them. And they're, they're in multiple other cities. There are a couple of cities in Texas, in uh, 
in Arizona, there, there are multiple cities now. And there is no driver and the car just, it's very funny actually when you see it on this. It's first like it takes you a while to get used to it. And just assume that in, I don't know, five, 10 years, some big percentage of the cars and the streets are going to be self-driving. There is going to be no driver, no safety driver, nobody to car drive by itself. What if these cars get hacked? I mean, the hacking is just one and then start just attacking people, right? Or what if the, the cars at some point starts optimizing for wrong uh, objective function? This is very likely with AI. For example, they want to get to a point very fast and they start colluding with each other against other cars, right? Hmm. Uh, they block some part of the road. Right. They, this, these are not super villain uh, Move Hollywood movie scenarios. These are very likely things to happen. And what if you were seeing uh, security robots on this? What if they start attacking people just to maximize up, just to clean up their street, but attacking some? Well, I mean, a simple way to say it is: What if they malfunction? <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, that's a. But but it also occurs to me that. That is an, also an old argument that, that people have made. It's like saying with the invention of the elevator, well, what if the elevator malfunctions and drops to the ground and everybody dies? We know that those things can happen. But again, it comes down to, in this case, what's that? And uh, To a scale. scale have right, you seen yeah, and, the uh, Social Dilemma documentary on Netflix? Yes. That's, that basically, I really like that documentary. It highlights the right... It's the AI doesn't need to, and that was a few years ago, that was before all these new advances. AI doesn't need to be smarter than us to ruin us or par, par, ruin us partially all the time in, in every aspect. It needs to be smarter than us sometimes in some aspects. That, the, the, that example of social media is a big one. So basically the social dilemma documentary was about that Okay, you're a human being, you have emotions, you have, how do I say it? You have, you have holes in your brains, right? Everybody. You have weaknesses. And if you're interacting with the agent that is somewhat smarter all the time and somewhat sometimes wants to trick you, it can. And that, that's why how many, of your, how many of people who are watching this program are addicted to Instagram and cannot get over that? Right. right that's one example of like that's why i say this is very different from the elevator in elevator we don't we don't see people getting addicted to elevator we don't <laughs> see people abusing the elevator elevator doesn't have a feedback loop that talks to people talk right back to right people. right um, it occurs to me that as you're saying all of this i'm thinking there must be some work that has been done on on some kind of international um, group that is going to oversee this. I mean, I mean, do do you believe? Because again, as well, I mean, if if you and I first came together in terms of our conversations around talking about the Islamic Republic regime, which we may agree acts in an unethical way, uh, AI in the hands of the mullahs in in Iran is going to be necessarily different than AI in the hands of a Western so-called liberal democracy. Should, in your view, there be global standards? 
or regulations to govern the development and deployment of AI technologies? And is any of that happening? It's, uh, there's some happening. It's just, this thing is too political, too, uh, too much power to be exchanged. And I, I, I think the public usually overestimate how much of power and how much of control and how much of vision politicians have i usually like there, there is this thing that the, the public think that there's a group of people sitting in one room and they know everything and they have control and they have the vision and those are the politicians and the presidents of the world and like i i just don't think that's i i disagree with such a view right forget about the ai right and then when you get to, for example, when you watch Senate hearing about social media, about technology, about software, you see how far behind these people, yeah, at yeah. least some of them are, yeah. right? These are people in their 70s and 80s, and this, some of them, they, they don't even have computer. They don't know how the internet works. And the fact is, you could have said this maybe 100 years ago also, that these are maybe not in touch with the newest technology, but the technology did not change in this rapid pace 100 years ago. So when you are 10 years behind in 2023, it's very different than, than you're, it's very different than when you were 10 years behind in 1900 yeah. Yeah. or 1800. So a kid in San Francisco who has a laptop and just called some Python and has access to some APIs and know how to write Python, could become a, this is one of my pieces, could that person becomes a more powerful person than a senator in the next 10 years? It, that, that's where the world is going. That, that's how, and it, it's, it has been happening in last even 20, 30 years. How many people with just the, like a ripped off shorts and like a, $10 t-shirts have you seen that are running this massive company right so how do you regulate that or should I, I mean how do you create can you create create global standards around that well the first question is that global entity is a positive thing or not is it is that going to help or it's going to be more uh, that is going to become the thing that we're afraid of that Orwellian society that's one thing right the second part is that consortium, whatever you want to call it, is, is that going to be effective? So I'm trying to be devil's advocate. I think we probably need to do that, and it is happening. The third part is, do are these going to be politicians, or are, actually they're going to bring experts? And what we see now, they're bringing experts. They're bringing Sam Altman and Elon Musk and uh, Sundar. I don't know if he's an expert. And, but there, there's... Once you agree, that's that's also taken care of. They're bringing the experts. Uh, are these experts? They are they basically talking their own backs, right? Which is uh, basically they're they're at this point there's six seven big tech companies that they're controlling this thing mostly, and they have huge economic incentive to just put a wall around it. That that's also another yeah worry. What was your number four? The number four is what we talked at the beginning, the existential ah, okay. crisis, basically losing control. 
Kushia, there's a, there's a, uh, I've heard, I mean, when, when we talk about what I call consciousness, you were talking, you were saying, using the word intelligence, one of the fears or one of the realities with AI is that um, you have a scenario where AI is, its learning curve is exponential. So AI, if you program AI to, to teach itself, it, it's, it, we can't even predict where it's gonna be three months from now because it's just, it's exponentially growing in its intelligence. Can you speak to that? Yeah, the, uh, just look at where things, basically the first very, I would say in not even industrial, the first versions of AI that could basically show any significance of doing anything uh, that human can do, you can point to 2013. 2013 was the year that the ImageNet, uh, there, there were a couple of uh, successful algorithms that basically there were AI algorithms that could tell apart pictures of cats and dogs and donkeys and monkeys. Right? They could just tell apart pictures from each other. Right? That was the technology in 2013. Where are we now in 10 years? Wow. Wow. That's, we have self-driving, we have uh, ChatGPT, we have Dolly, and uh, the, the field that I'm working, drug design, this is like insane that how fast this whole industry is becoming AI. The, the growth is definitely very fast and it's coming from multiple sources. It's, we're getting more data every day, we're getting better at collecting data. Uh, the data part is growing, the compute part growing, the processor part is growing with the whole GP, uh, GPU revolution. Now it's probably arguably the, the most important company in the AI age is NVIDIA, which is the producer of these GPUs and compute engines. The compute is growing, the data is growing, the algorithms are getting better, the finance gets better, the more money comes into this the most successful company, OpenAI, in this field had very hard time raising money at the beginning. They started as a non-profit company. And they had a really hard time financing this whole thing. Now we're seeing the numbers that is going to AI. Basically, everybody believed that this is the next big thing. Do you, I mean, you're not just an analyst. You know, you're not sitting on the sidelines kind of looking at this and, and deconstructing it for people uh, like a journalist or something. You're you're in it, so I mean, one one might actually say you're you have a vested interest. You're you are a, another version of uh, Elon Musk, where you're you're profiting from your business is is AI. So I'm curious how much you and your team, you know, if the theme of this conversation is how scared should we be, you know, and who's who's creating the barriers, who's looking out for us as this stuff is being created. How much time do you guys spend in in real terms, you know, uh, discussing that, worrying about that, programming for that, which I, which I might uh, suspect is not even cost effective. In other words, it probably costs too much to worry too much about some of these concerns. So a lot of companies probably don't. Uh, tell me about in your daily life, how much you think about this ethical stuff. Yeah, if I want to get into, it's a very funny, actually, situation. Basically, the smartest people in the field and the most ambitious are just basically not doing what you're 
saying they're they're busy building the products they're building running in this race who can build these things faster and there's a very basically sideline talk about this oh is this going to kill all of us and nobody wants to spend time on that because the again the smartest the most ambitious people of the community they're working on how to build these things faster for our company is for our startup we're we're in the field of molecule design and these molecules we design large functional molecules and they're going to be a cancer drug they're going to be the tackling climate uh tech challenges their molecules so we're not in that necessarily uh dangerous part that we should yeah we don't spend much time because we're not building fundamental ai tools and i i just don't know how serious those ethic themes are at this point mm. i've seen a lot of them they're growing very fast but i just think most for most of these companies that's kind of a that's the way for them to shut down the regulators they say oh look we, we talk about this so we have a team we have 100 people talking in the other room about ethics of AI. but are those 100 team the most are those the decision makers of the company right. and are those right. the best of your talents or are those the most ambitious people or, or is that just some room that you create to uh, give the illusion that there is uh, and yeah to be, uh, we don't we don't have those discussions in our startup at least it's not a big portion of our time you know if if one of the concerns that you touched on earlier uh when you talked about the, <laughs> the zoo analogy <laughs> you know where I mean, it, it is enfeeblement, right? Like where humans just become dependent on AI. Um, like it's like a scenario from the film Wall-E. You know, we're just kind of all that the, the humans are on the sidelines, and and we're living through that dependency. Something that preoccupies me is how. I mean, this might be true for you and I, but I, I also think about for next generations, like like somebody who's a little kid right now. You know, if I use the analogy of you mentioned Instagram earlier, you know, we all know now the the sort of notion that, uh, oh, I saw somebody's photo or maybe it was on a dating app or something. In reality, they look nothing like that. Right. That to me becomes a metaphor for for everything. Now, we, we don't know what the real news is. We don't know what the truth is of what's happening in the world. We don't know what people look like. We don't know what they're capable of. We don't know who they are that truth becomes one of the casualties uh, of the reality becomes a casualty of of a world that's that's dominated by an unethical sort of um technological uh infrastructure uh can you speak to that at all yeah and if, uh, with the risk of becoming too philosophical the truth has a lot to do with having one single physics, right? I, this is the first time I'm saying this sentence. I hope it makes sense. So basically, if if this pen is here, it's next to my head, there's just one physics, right? There, this distance is just one number, right? But if there are multiple versions of physics, there are all these like filters and there, there are this AR and VR, these alternate realities. The truth is not as important anymore in 
that fashion of one thing. It, there are just many truths, right? It's a more of a fuzzy hmm. uh, concept. Uh, maybe, maybe the country in your the version of war that you live in in some alternate realities, Biden is not president. Somebody, Donald Trump won the election. They, you're you live in that world, right? That's uh, and that's where all the news are. That's and the AI can produce that word for you all the time, and you just you're happy with that. That's one extreme uh, version of it. And we are the the whole social media, the whole digitization help with that. We are going to have another revolution next to the AI, which is AR, VR, basically alternate realities. All these goggles become better and better. AI is going to fuel that too. And some people are going to check out of this world. I, at, at least big portion of their life. As you said, with the filters, right? You, you go to Instagram, nobody looks like themselves. But how does society function? I mean, it seems like a prescription for for dysfunction. I mean, and, and already we're seeing the, the, the divisions, whether it's in America or anywhere in the world, based on exactly what you said, the nascent ideas of, well, no, this isn't my president, this is my president, here's the evidence, et cetera. Take that to, to you know, multiply that times 100, and um, how are we functioning with each other? One of these uh, leaves of this great field theory is uh, we are either going to extinct or we're going to turn into something that is not anything close to who we are today, right? We're going to transform to another species. And one thing about what you said with social media is there is this thing that if in a physical, in a world that everything is physical, you have to make peace with people, right? Let's say you have five neighbors and you don't like any of them. You can't function in that neighborhood right, right your your own existence would be in danger you have to start making peace with like at least three or four of them and then the last guy that you really 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 don't like you still have to be you don't need to be friends with him but you have to just make some sort of necessarily right? coexist yes yes you have to coexist yes just by the laws of physics if you want to be safe but in this digital world that necessity is gone you don't like five people that you're in the room, you leave the room, you go to some other room, some digital room in somewhere else in the universe. You don't like them, you, sh you close the button. Is this idea that we can just block people, like assume that in real life there, there's a neighbor that you can just block, like there's a person you just click and then you don't see this person anymore. We don't have that in physical world. And it's just, it made it too easy for us to become more radical, yeah. right? In that scenario that you had five neighbors, you had to just move to the average over time. Like you had to become more moderate a little bit. You had to take their, you had to see their side of the story. But now it's very easy to, I don't like your side of the story, I block you. Right, but the, but now, the, but the flip side is true too, which is that, uh, you know, 20 years ago, or let, let alone 50 years ago, or 100 years ago, um, I I would have no ability to troll Cristiano Ronaldo, but I do today. Yeah. I have access to him, so he needs to block yeah. me because I'm uh, if I'm not his fan, right? Uh, yeah, and that is very, that's a, basically the social media and digital world took 
out a lot of hierarchy in the society. And those hierarchies, you can argue, in general, I like getting rid of hierarchies, but there, there are also some functions that they did and we didn't build any replacement for them. What, what you're saying is like, let's say, forget about Christian, let's say some somebody that's less controversial, some like <laughs> Nobel Prize physicist sure. who just discovered something really big and the, every like he's done just contribution to the world, nothing controversial about him, nothing. He says a statement that a kid in his mom basement doesn't like, right? You can just yell at this guy and you can just curse at him right and people do and people sometimes do it for fun in the old world you had to work your way up to get to that person yeah right there were like layers and layers and layers to yeah. even get physically access in front of yeah people. yeah and in order to get that access you had to the first thing you had to behave right whatever behave means right you had to just have some uh, yeah, you you had to learn physics. You had to learn how to talk to people. You had to network, and you have to go. Yeah. Again, I think this overall thing is probably a positive thing. This whole access, but it, it has its own. But but there's another element to the 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 downside or the fears of around AI that we haven't touched on, and maybe because it's less. Um, it's less grandiose and uh, it's less apocalyptic, but but it, it is about how this affects human relationships. Um, uh, just as technology and social media has led to, uh, if you believe scientists and, and the medical research, you know, epidemic levels of loneliness or depression or anxiety in kids because they don't have, they're not hanging out with people anymore. They're hanging out with their screens. Um, the AI, you know, interface. I mean, if 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 AI is providing everything that somebody needs sexually, um, so they don't have to have sex with physical partners anymore because they've got their, you know, AI porn or whatever it is. How does that affect human interaction? I mean, you know, what what does that make us in terms of the way we deal with each other? Yeah, and I go back to the last point in that old physical world we had to make compromises and we had to learn how to make compromises and that that's the ability that i think we're losing it every day that's why we're we're becoming angrier in political debates because in the old world there, there was just constraints of physics made us want to make peace with each other more you couldn't often. only find your echo chamber you couldn't yeah. only find your affirmation. You had to deal with, you with other block people. You couldn't yeah. just get rid of people around you. You couldn't move like 10,000 miles away to find one person who agrees with you. You had to find some sort of a compromise. And with your uh, love life or your with friends or with your family. Now it's just it's just too easy. And people like easy. If you have a if you have an AI agent that talks with you and only compliments you and you get used to that. Why do you want to, uh, yeah, we're, we're very, we haven't, that's the core, that's the core, I think, one thing, uh, the conclusion is we are not, our biological evolution and all the tools that we have gained in tens of millions of years have not equipped us to deal with this. Mm. That's where I started with the whole yeah. 
great field economy. This is a very, very uncharted territory for us. And 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 before, and, uh, sorry, go ahead, finish that thought. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's it would be very hard. It's I, I'm a very optimistic person in general, but I just think we're not equipped to navigate. I know this is a negative statement for an optimistic person, but yeah, I'll be very interested to see what what is that. But that's navigation. that's exactly as I before I let you go. I mean, I, a couple of personal questions I wanted to ask you. That's that was a perfect segue because I was I was going to ask you if you are frustrated by the lack of knowledge around AI, if you if you believe that education should play a role in preparing individuals for a future where AI is becoming more prevalent. Yeah, I, I think we need to we need to definitely think at least very deep about this. I think we are going to, to a more two tier society. That's what happened with the rise of internet. We basically had all these internet jobs, all these engineering software jobs that were very, very, very high paid. And and it took a margin, it took some portion of money from all other jobs. And we're going through another one. And both sides should think deeper about this. I don't, the education, that's very, yeah, at least we need to sit down and think about it. I don't know how to educate people about this, but well, I mean, hope I would like to think this conversation is helpful because you're, uh, you're, you're yeah. sharing sharing a lot of insights that um, that we can chew on. I really appreciate. I always like talking to you, man, and I really appreciate the time you've no, given us. You. The, let, 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 let's let's end on something positive, because I've I've focused, I've made you, I've cornered you with all the negativity for the last hour. Um, if you were to just out of curiosity, because you spend so much time. Um, seeing the wondrous things that are happening the new developments the the new the new inventions in ai what is something that that you've experienced or seen in the last few weeks that really excites you in terms of ai in the future uh what we're working on so basically what our startup is doing we are we are designing you can think of it as a parallel biology so the, the biology in hundreds of millions of years came up with all these engineering of DNAs and RNAs and proteins and then the entire human body and it has function, it has maintenance, it has signaling. Uh, and it has all the tools to keep us healthy for a period of time and then it gets rid of us. And there's, there's all sort of diseases around us. We can improve this by AI. We can go back to the biology mechanism and analyze them, and we can start designing new agents, namely in our case, our protein, large molecules that go inside your body and improve some portions of it. That improvement and that maintenance job would be a cancer drug, wow. or it could be a, a vaccine that is far more effective than everything that we have or it could be aging hmm. drugs that's something that has been getting a lot of attention recently people are very seriously working on this why do we have to live only 100 years can we live 150 can we live 200 if we go back and re-engineer some of the parts on a, on a, molecular, on a molecular level that's that's the level we're focused on 
you're going to create this amazing new super race of humans, but they won't have jobs because the jobs will have been taken by AI. Yeah, that's your focus <laughs> on keeping them healthy. Yeah, that should be somebody else's job. That's that's always the attitude of the startup. Uh, Kushe John, thank you so much, man. I, always a pleasure. Thank you. thank you. This was great. And we're going to be in actually Toronto. Uh, we, we are going to have an event 28th. If, if you're free, we we'll Of, of November? Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. In, yeah, it's in 13. Oh, 13. That, that, oh, it's actually November 24th. What's the event? It's a, it's a, uh, just a community of uh, engineers, entrepreneurs getting together. It's in downtown Toronto. I'll nice. send you the... Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah, let, let me know about it. And really, thank you for this. I mean, it's been it's been a really uh, energizing. It's a very hard discussion. I hope just there's a lot of I'm a positive person, but we this is uh, we have to talk also about the risks. Absolutely. Merci, Khodafis. Merci, Sasha. Thank you. Bye bye. says rook episode 299 should we fear ai pega is back in the studio here hello hello it was great talking to kushiar it, i should also say if you're in the toronto area if you're in the greater toronto area there is that innovate toronto networking event that he mentioned that will be happening tomorrow assuming you're listening to this on thursday if not today if you're listening to this on friday if not yesterday or three days ago depending on when you're listening to this friday november 24th from 5 to 9 p.m. at 111 325 Front Street West is where it's happening. Innovate Toronto if you want to see Kushiar in person. that Those conversations, man, it blows my mind, some of what we were talking about. Mm -hmm. And his, you know, count him, I guess, as amongst these folks like like Sam Altman, like, like Elon Musk, who, mm -hmm. are, who are in the AI field, mm -hmm. sphere, orbit, <laughs> and who are also worried about where this is leading. Well, I was going to say, after that, there's a little bit more fear in now me, you're honestly. Yeah, I mean, he was pretty calm about it, but you know, also, yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say that, but yeah, close to it. Yeah, crazy stuff. Uh, I, I'm curious to hear from you folks in the audience, uh, anything uh, or everything you have to say about AI and whether you, and the conversation with Kushiar, whether in fact you are amongst those who are concerned about where this is all going um, and the different points he was bringing up, whether it's job losses or um, uh, the environment or, or, or centralization of power or etc. Um, so you can contact us at info at rookmedia.com or post on any of our platforms. Curious to hear about whether you fear AI. Pega, we said we'd do something of a roundup before mm -hmm. we end off today. And I know you've got a couple of items. Let's get right to it. The Rook Roundup. Uh, first up, Angelina Jolie mm -hmm. has penned a piece in Time magazine. That's right. That involves her speaking with Nagis Mohammadi, who is in jail in Iran or in the hospital. Hard for me to keep up. I feel 
worried for Nagas Mohammadi uh, most of the time, our Nobel Peace Prize winner. That's Nobel right. Peace Prize, right? Yes, that's so right. what what tell us about this piece? So this um she she actually communicated with Nagas while she was still in prison. Um and the communication happened through family members. So Angeline Jolie sent some questions to family, family tried to get those questions to Nagas and then back throughout the same way. Um but you know, I, I read the piece and I was really moved. I Anytime I see pieces like this, I always think, oh, it's going to be a dive into what's happened over the last year and a little bit of brief history, if you will. And then that's pretty much it. But something that really surprised me was that this piece was very different in the sense that it really was a Q&A um, with questions that Angelina Jolie had posed for, to Nagas Mohammadi. And, you know, I thought I, I know everything that's happened over the last year. I've thought about every angle of it. But to read some of the responses, to read some of the things that Nagas Mohammadi was mentioning, like the numerous times that, you know, she was taken to prison in front of her children, how the home that she was in was stormed when her daughter was sick and they tore her daughter out of her arms so that they would drag her over to a prison. And, you know, the, the emotion of that really caught me off guard. And it was really surprising because, again, we've, we've been seeing things like this, hearing about it over the last year and a bit. Um, that was the first thing I wanted to point out. And also, you know, the end of the article, for anyone who hasn't read it, um, ends off on such a positive and strong note with Nagas Mohammadi, you know, staying true to her convictions and saying that she's just as determined, if not more, to continue this fight um, was just incredible. You know, uh, it's great. The every every bit counts. Mm -hmm. um, a piece like this, I don't know how many people are reading Time Magazine. Maybe the Angelina Jolie angle helps, mm -hmm. but if it helps educate or inform people around the world in the U.S. wherever they're reading this about the situation in Iran, it's helpful. And I so. think it would have only happened. You know, an interview like this happens um, gets green lit by the editors, the publisher, whatever because Nagas Mohammadi is a Nobel Peace mm -hmm. Prize winner, right? Yes. Uh, there's lots of people in jail in Iran. And so this goes back to that that idea that we talked about a month ago or whenever the, the Nobel was mm -hmm. handed out of what does it really mean? Because yeah. we know it doesn't mean much to the regime other than they might punish her more mm -hmm. for being a winner of this prize. This is where it's important. It becomes a, a vehicle for people to be in touch and, and elevate you know, information, uh, mm -hmm. her story, uh, et cetera. It's, it's, it's a shame that it takes a Nobel Peace Prize to do that, but, but in this case, I think it's very effectively demonstrating that an article in Time Magazine about what's going on for a woman in Iran who's been an activist and, and, and the inf information in and around that of what it's like to live under this suppressive, oppressive regime, that's mm -hmm. great. And actually, it's interesting that you say that because it's one of the things that Nagas Mohammadi actually addresses in this article. She says, you know, upon hearing the news of the fact that she won um, the Nobel Peace Prize, she was actually really happy, not strictly because she won it, but also because the selection of someone like her would actually bring more authenticity and legitimacy to the the protests, the right. movements, you know, what, what it is that we're all Validation. fighting for. Exactly. We hate that we need that, but yes. we do. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the other item that you had mentioned that you want to talk about is something about uh, Raisi mm -hmm. giving a speech. I can't wait <laughs> to hear what. Uh, yes, yeah. this is this is an interesting one for sure. So, for anyone who hasn't seen um, this this very 
I say funny because I'm, I'm just blown away by some of the comments that were made during the speech. So Raisi gave a speech to the Basij earlier today. So this is the pre- President Raisi, yes, right? Yes, President talking of the Islamic the, Republic. Talking to the, the Basij. Who's the Basij now? The, the militia, right? The, the plainclothes militia. Yeah, so it's a volunteer militia and actually under the IRGC. So it's one of the five, yeah. I think, categories under the IRGC. But also students that are you know, hoping one day to be part of um, this this military apparatus. Um, and so the, the one thing that he mentions in this speech is that he um, determined Palestine the winner of this conflict. And this is a direct quote. He literally said, you know, I'm declaring Palestine the winner of this conflict. Right. Spoiler on what, alert. On what basis? Yeah, 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 God yeah. knows. In case, yeah. Um, but, you know, he came and said that uh, this is following the news of the temporary ceasefire. And so he's, you know, make, he's making this declaration. But further to that, thousands of um, potentially and actually innocent lives lost in Gaza. But Mm -hmm. Palestine is the the winner. Yes. Well, I mean, it's not even so much about what he's saying. It's just the fact that he views himself in this position to be able to make a declaration like this. That's completely baseless. Right. Um, And so further. Did he say because Hamas is still alive? Hamas is still a thing. Hamas is still a thing, so he so he says Palestine is one. You know, I think that's yeah, the, maybe. the reasoning. Maybe they didn't eliminate Hamas. Yet. <laughs> um, and so, in continuation to the speech, he actually went on to um, talk a little bit more about the mobilization of people who are concerned about the revolution and the Islamic values. And it almost felt like he was taking this opportunity to kind of fuel those same, um, I guess, mandates or views that the Islamic regime has. Um, and all of this was done while he was actually wearing um, a kefia. Yeah. So this is new because this isn't something we've seen Raisi do at all, but um, in fact something that um, Khomeini, uh, that Khomeini and Khomeini have done previously. So that was kind of a move on his part or, a, or I guess some sort of a show of strength. A shameless, uh, perhaps, a shameless attempt to exploit global sympathies in as much as they exist for Palestinians. Mm-hmm by wearing the kafia and saying, look, I'm, I'm on the team. We're the good guys. That's right. If you are pro-Palestinian. That's right. Yeah. And then lastly, the, the final point that I wanted to um, talk about in regards to the speech is that he talked about a movement of resistance within the region. Specifically, he, pin- he pinpointed southern Lebanon. And he went on to say how all of this was actually inspired by um, Khomeini. And so all of this comes back to the Islamic Republic. Of course. And how the Islamic Revolution was, in fact, the first core of resistance right. within this region. Right. So very, very interesting speech from uh, Raisi today. Not really, nothing really surprising. No, not at all. I mean, maybe preemptively declaring the winner of the <laughs> conflict. But, uh, yes. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Pekka. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, so next week, next Thursday... Kaveh Madani joined me in the studio mm-hmm. for a, a feature interview. Plus, we're going to have our Rook Roundtable, if it's not on Monday. If. Oh, yeah. it's an if well, now. Well, I don't know. We have to five figure. Five minutes ago, we I, were saying, you know. I, uh, five minutes ago. Well, you know, an hour ago, maybe. Sure. But, uh, but, uh, but, yeah, I just don't, you know, I can never be sure. But I think. <laughs> well, then maybe we'll see you Monday. Maybe we'll maybe see we'll you Thursday. Maybe we'll see you Monday. If not, it'll all be on Thursday. Got so it. we'll definitely come back next week. Um, just. Keep posted. Keep keep uh, keep near your platform machine, uh, whatever it is you're using. <laughs> uh, thank you, Pega. Thank you. Uh, thank you and your perfume. Uh, it's full time for Rook for today. 
our website rookmedia.com rookmedia.com that's where you can find all things rook related including uh, our back episodes our funnies our videos our support us button and our entire uprising series and the contemporary history of Iran rookmedia.com is where to find it all almost the 300 shows you know. I know yeah. but if you right. actually include the, the contemporary history so of Iran then it's like 350 or something anyway thanks to the amazing team <laughs> who put this show together Smart Pega Super Parisa Talented Anahita Savvy Roham Bearded Omid Methodical Kaveh Montreal. Thank you to all of you out there supporting us and sharing our content. Please subscribe if you haven't done so already. Find me on Instagram at Giangomeshi. Mizumashi. Mizumashi.